activity to introduce it to Taiwanese people. And that's not the only way that the cafe helped change Taiwanese culture. We'll be hearing more about how the cafe did that next week. We'll also meet the VIP guests who frequented the cafe in decades past, sample some of the other royal cuisine the cafe has to offer, and hear about why the cafe was closed and why it's been brought back to life many years later. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Novia Hu and Melinda Wang are co-founders of Nomel Skincare. The name, if you haven't discovered, came from Novia's No and Melinda's Mel, so Nomel, Nomel Skincare. So why the two women started a business together? Well, what happened was that when they first met, they realized they have many things in common. And like they said, they were young, so they were adventuresome. So they said they should start a business together. They tried many different things before they decided on skincare products. They tried, what was it, like swimwear? Yeah, and beach towels. And then there was something else too. I forgot what it was. Um, anyway, so they decided on skincare because uh, what they said was that every woman uses skincare products every day or something like that. Today, they're going to start off by talking about what obstacles they had to go through to create their skincare business. What were some of the obstacles you had to overcome besides, you know, realizing that there is a minimum order and you need more money into this? For sure. (laughs) We did did definitely, we planned some money uh, for the beginning and we ended up with uh, 500 bottles of each product. And Mm. and it was, that was like a thousand. Oh, right. There were two kinds. Right, Mm. right, right. Oh. So we need to find a place to store them. (gasps) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think we need to find an office. Yeah. So the brand was originally called House of R5. House of R5. R5. Oh, R. R. The word, R. a letter, letter R. R. Uh-huh. It was like a combination of five R words, like revive, reborn. Ah. Rebuild, yeah. replay okay. of five human senses. Yes. How about rejuvenate? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So that's one of our first obstacles, actually. Oh, and also we had um two perfume oils. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, like we wanted to to do some very natural perfume oil without alcohol. Mm. Okay. Because it was related to oil. So it was like just a collection of oil. So at the beginning, the brand was more about the art of oil. So it was everything about oil. And then that's why I wanted to re- re- like revive your senses, your five senses of your body, yes. right? Okay. With essential oils. And then, but, but that the- sounds like four products now then. It's yes, actually it was two fragrances and yeah. yes, four products in total. But they all from the similar base. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, two fragrances, I would say. Okay. So in two different forms. So one is a very concentrated perfume oil, and then it's been diluted and uh, made into a beauty oil. 
Okay, so you can have a fragrance all around you, and also the skin oil to make you make your skin beautiful. Yeah. So the company the um,、mm-hmm. is still just the two of you. No, we have seven. Oh, eight people now with、yeah. us working with I, us. Okay, that makes sense because I'm thinking <laughs> that you need someone to market. I mean, if we don't grow to... from two people, there's a problem、we、with this、did. business. We did. We've been through a lot of like really shocking experience. I can't even when I think back、yeah. now, it's just crazy. We try to sell this product. We try to talk to people、yeah. about、mm. our concept,、mm-hmm. and because it was based on art,、uh, we chose two famous painting as our inspiration for the fragrance. Okay. We try to do a smellable art,、mm-hmm. like a four、oh. D、uh, version of the art, because we both came from art background.、Uh-huh. We want the young generation to remember art.、Uh, we want art, like talk about art in your daily life.、Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like let's not forget about them.、Uh-huh. So we designed two perfume, the fragrance first note, middle note, and last note based on the look or the color of the painting, which、oh. is. I still think it's quite a cool idea, but、mm. it、oh. was a mature idea.、Mm-hmm. So when we start talking to people about art, and, and I think they just start falling asleep. Yeah, I think <laughs> a lot of a lot of people are just not that into art in specific. They're more into what does this product do, function. the function,、yes. the function side of things. But talking back about the first obstacle, why we had to rebrand and change our name. Was、um, of course right. Yeah, you guys went through a rebranding.、Okay. Yeah, we went through a rebranding because it was at the very beginning of the stage, and then we basically got like a lawsuit, kind of like、um, a letter with the name asking, House yeah, of R Five. Yeah, R Five, because there's、We're、another brand. Well, we can't talk about the other brand, <laughs>、okay. obviously,、yeah. but there's、okay. another oh, really. I just said number、yeah. five. <laughs> another famous brand that uses five a lot too.、Uh-huh. Maybe. People, you guys can guess. Yeah. And then、um, they were、oh. saying we were doing skincare. We we're doing something that's related to perfume too. So、uh-huh. their number five is very famous、uh-huh. for their perfume、oh. side. Yeah. They kind of forced <laughs> us to. I don't,、um, I don't see why. Recall, so maybe that five is actually not that <laughs> famous. <laughs> They're very specific on their number. They're、okay. saying they trademarked this number and it's theirs. So I think for us, we discussed. You know, we're at the beginning stage. Like, why don't we kind of like just take it slow and kind of rebrand what this whole idea is about? Because we kind of went into this very spontaneously, yeah, right? Yeah. And it slowly turned into a very serious business. So I think we just took our time and kind of realized that you know we were two like really good friends. We came together and started this business. So why not make this you know evolve into a whole full collection instead of just oils? How did, how long did you guys come up with this the 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 new name? Nomel, how long did it take you guys? It was、um, pretty, pretty quick, quick、mm-hmm. right? About two months time. Your name, yeah,、mm-hmm. right. It、yeah. was pretty quick. I, okay. I realized、um, this is something that no one can take away. Uh huh.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one yeah. can will not sue us for right. <laughs> My <laughs> name and her name. I know、yeah. it sounds nice. You know, Nomel skincare. It's very like、yeah. soothing, I guess. Yeah, 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 it does. It does. Okay, so then, did you guys ever fight over fight. anything and and at any stage? No. You guys are so、um, no, agreeable think, with each other. I think it's more like about constant communication. Yeah,、uh, we、I、discuss think, about、yeah. everything, literally. Everything. That's、mm. how it is with women. We discuss,、mm. we talk about things. <laughs> yes, men they'll probably I don't know. I want to ignore <laughs> feelings and stuff like that. They go into more the- a little bit more reckless, but、Mm-mm. I guess、uh, um, me and Mel's personality are both quite chill,、uh-huh. really chilled out. So, ah,、oh, um, that's great. I am really、um, in actions. I'm really fast in、mm. action. But what if、and、one one had an idea、mm-hmm. and the other of you kind of 
didn't quite like the idea.、Mm-hmm. How do you guys talk that over? Then say why you don't like it. Yeah, if I agree. Do. Let's do it your way. And then the、mm. other. Oh, okay. And so the other person we really acceptable disagreement、okay. to each、yeah. other, and really、um, embrace each other's idea. Wow.、Mm. Okay. Because we have the same goal. Yeah. Once you have the same goal, nothing will stop you, right? So, how long into your business when you guys realize that you need more people in the company? Since the, the very beginning. beginning. <laughs>、oh, okay.、Yeah. Okay. So,、um, now from two to eight people, right? Yes. And yes. all the other six are also women. Most、uh, of them 80%, are. Eighty percent. Yeah, eighty、yeah. percent. They're women. Eight,、yeah. Oh, okay.、Oh, we have two boys. Women. Two boys. Yeah, two boys. Are they more like doing the heavy work stuff? No, actually, no? yeah, changing life all of the moving <laughs> desks. Yeah, no, one of the no, guys more、nice. um, okay. data based. So、uh, both、does. of them quite、oh, sure. maybe、um, quite technical, very, technical yeah, side yeah. of things actually.、Ooh. Yeah, you need those kind of people. Yeah,、mm-hmm. for sure, for sure.、Yes. Yeah.、Oh, okay. So of course you already sold off the first one thousand.、Right? Yes, of yes. course, of course. <laughs> okay, luckily. You're listening to In the Spotlight. With Shirley Lin. So, how's the business going? And what's your goal? What's your dream from here? I think、It's, our first stage of our dream, probably, because we don't want to sell the thousand bottles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sell the rest of our products first. No, I think it's more like the first stage is just to be the first Taiwanese brand that's cruelty-free, vegan, that's very、fun. on trend,、yeah. fun. Um, that has a nice packaging for the young people to post on their Instagram, but at the same time, has actually really good ingredients that's good for your skin. Oh,、mm. good. So I guess you have a design team too, right? Yes. It's still just four products, or you've got you're gonna no. We have more. A lot of products now. We have、oh, like have, face、oh. mask, we、oh. have moisturizer, basically the whole cleanser. We have line. Like, yeah, we have a simple line right now. Oh wow!、Yeah. Mm. And some tools. Yeah. Face lifting face, tools, face like firming tools. tools. You guys are fast. Yeah, we're I mean, pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, what you just started like three, four years ago? Four. No, actually, I think all the product、um, built in within a year. Yeah, the first year. Yeah, so we rebranded last year,、mm-hmm. July, July thirteenth.、Yeah. So literally next month is our one year old. Oh wow! Congratulations! One year anniversary. Oh, I see. What、well, you mean with the new name? That is、mm-hmm, with the new name,、yeah. right? With the new name, yes. Yeah,、mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so but、um, but you guys have a line of products already.、Mm. Yeah,、so. I think those ideas are accumulated since the past.、Mm. Uh, it doesn't happen in one day. Well, what kind of people are mostly your customers? I mean,、um, or age group, I guess I should say.、Um, I think twenty to thirty-five.、Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were quite surprising. We actually have a lot of male customers. I was just going to ask that.、Mm. Really?、Yes. We do have a lot of male customers. Actually, I mean, did you guys make any products pertaining to men? Because I think once they use our product, we changed their life. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "Wow, I have glowing skin now, so I'm going. I'm yeah, down to use it." We seriously have some, fr- of course, started off from friends, and and yeah, some friends used our product. And maybe they never use any skincare in their life in the past. You're talking about men. Yes, but they were supporting friends, and they want to try our product. And after they tried it, they they were like, "I am in love with it." Really?、Hmm. So you actually don't differentiate your product between men and women, right? Yeah. Well,、no. we try not to. Right. Yeah, we try because not to. Because it has to do with skin type. But、mm. I'm curious, though. I mean, men's skin type and women's skin type are they similar?、Or? I I would think that they were different. 
I think honestly, it's just in different criterias. Like um, yeah. I said just then, it's more like if you're you have normal skin, that's the perfect pH balance. Or do you have combination skin? Or do you have dry skin? Or do you have mm. sensitive skin? I think it just goes into categories like that. Ah, yeah, skin t- wise, yeah. Uh, mm. similar, very similar, so very but similar. I think difference is in behavior. Ah, mm. behavior. Like they they skincare. Routine. Uh, oh, how right, right, right. how they like to use the product and how do they like use it? Uh-huh. And it's I think different. it's also about the hormone levels too. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I think women in general we have like sensitive skin because yeah. like you know with our hormone level yes. every single month like we get acne's easier uh-huh. and our mood swings yes. that actually kind of also affects your skin type. This is so neat. This is mm. so neat. Going back on you know just your dream. I mean, where do you guys want to go with no male skincare? Our next goal definitely will want to be the first skincare in Taiwan, right?、Mm. And you know that you are. I mean, in terms of vegan and cruelty free, yeah, cruelty free.、Mm. You are. You I, are the first. Well, I think we're. Actually, I think we do find a gap in the market because biotech in Taiwan in general is actually very, very. Strong and powerful, they're actually、right. really good. But I think、um, people tend to see Korea as more of like the skincare empire, right? I know. But when we actually started this, we realized Taiwanese biotech companies are actually really, really good, and we really want to like promote this out to the world. And I think like a lot of Taiwanese brands are actually good,、um, but more like they don't have the marketing skills and branding、um, skills to push their brands further out. And I think Asian, they just have this culture of sticking to their old routine.、Mm-hmm. And if they find a way that oh, we're still making money, we're still earning, why are we pushing ourselves even more, right?、Um, But I feel like Western cultures, they want to push out. They want to sell in、um, China, Taiwan. They want to sell out in the Asia market. They want to push out instead of just being in the States or being in. Uh, Europe. So I think for us, you know,、uh, first step is Taiwan, but hopefully we can branch out to other countries too. So your customers are not just within Taiwan, it seems.、Mm, like, yeah, we have a lot、so、of Malaysian of, customers in Singapore. Oh, okay. We、um, even ship to Japan,、yeah, Japan, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, we have quite a lot of yeah, customers Kong, around、definitely. the world. Shipping.、Mm-hmm. You guys、like、are ship shipping those- by orders to yeah. Wow,、mm. this is a very fast-growing business. Yes, you, yeah, you guys are doing good.、Mm. It seems like so we、wow. have like distributors wanting to work with us already、oh, really? from different countries. Oh wow, yeah. yeah.、Okay. I think it's more like you know being careful with each step now because、yeah. now we have more of like a business brain, right? Now,、yeah. like through experiences, <laughs> I think now we kind of like learned from the past, and now we have to pick carefully with how the branding is supposed to go.、Uh, mm. So how do you guys want to expand? Your business. I mean, are you thinking about branching into something else, or I think I with、know. the whole COVID situation now, I think、yeah. the business model is going to shift to being more focused on e-commerce, right? Okay.、Um, I think people would love to shop online these days because、oh, yeah. we can't go out. So I think、um, that business model is going to shift. So I think this year, I think we're still going to be focused on e-commerce at the moment. But hopefully, we can be doing some pop-up stores, maybe in Taipei and then maybe in Taichung, Tainan. Maybe just like do a lot of like pop-ups in Taiwan first. Good luck. Thank, Thank you. you. Really. This has been really great. I mean, learning so much from the two of you. You guys really is an inspiration. You know, very inspiring. I mean, the way you guys work together, you give so much hope on people who want to think about entrepreneurship or something、mm. like that. But this is really awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
classic shorts, poems, and stories from Chinese literature. Hello and welcome to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. What's it like to say goodbye to a friend who is closer than family? The poet Lu Lun expresses these sentiments to his fellow poet and close friend Li Duan. Lu Lun and Li Duan were poets in the Mid Tang Dynasty. When Lu wrote this poem, the government had suppressed the disastrous Anlusan Rebellion. Which had resulted in millions of people dying in the Tang Dynasty, would never be the same. In those times, and in his poem "Farewell to Li Duan," Lu refers to being orphaned as a child. He had the privilege of meeting his friend, who was like family to him, but only late in life. Here is his heartfelt farewell to his friend. Li Duan, who had to leave. A farewell to Li Duan. By my old gate, among yellow grasses. Still we linger, sick at heart. The way you must follow through cold clouds will lead you this evening into snow. Your father died. You left home young. Nobody knew of your misfortunes. We cry. We say nothing. What can I wish you in this blowing, wintry world? And here is another translation of that same poignant poem. This one is by Frank Watson, called "Seeing Off," Li Duan. Ancient pass, withered grass throughout. Leaving, parting, we are full of grief. Your road leads beyond the cold and clouds, and I will return in time for the twilight snow. As a little orphan, I became an early wanderer. And after many hardships, I met you late. 
suppressing our tears, we face each other in vain. For among the wind and dust, when shall we meet again? Today we're going to end with one more poem about friendship from Dai Sulun. His most famous poem is included in the Tang Anthology of 300 Poems. He was a government official, and in his later years he was banished from the imperial court after the death of Emperor Taizong in 779. He then held provincial positions, including becoming the governor of Fuzhou and Jiangxi. He was recalled ten years later back to the court, but died before he reached the capital in 789. Here is his poem about friendship in the Tang Dynasty. This one is called Changing on Old Friends in a Village Inn. While the autumn moon is pouring full on a thousand night levels among towns and villages. There meet by chance south of the river, dreaming doubters of a dream. In the trees a wind has startled the birds, and insects cower from cold in the grass. But wayfarers at least have wine, and nothing to fear till the morning bell. Those are some poems about friendship from the Tang Dynasty. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. Listening to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. Since the first case of COVID-19 emerged in Wuhan, China last December, the highly contagious disease has spread rapidly around the world. It has claimed over 530,000 lives worldwide, and there are more than 11.6 million confirmed infections. Here in Taiwan, there are 449 cases, including seven fatalities. Now that the government has managed to keep the virus at bay, Taiwan has opened its borders to foreign nationals on essential trips, as well as Hong Kong and Macau spouses conditionally. The government has eased the ban on entry restrictions for them. June 29 was the first day that Taiwan opened its borders to foreign nationals, 
in Hong Kong and Macau residents, married to Taiwanese nationals. A Hong Kong resident visited Taiwan on a business trip on the first day. Another Hong Kong resident with two kids also arrived on the same day so he could reunite with his Taiwanese wife. He tested negative for COVID-19 a couple of days ago. Being tested before flying to Taiwan is an entry requirement. The test costs about 200 U.S. dollars. All foreign nationals on essential business are eligible to apply for an entry permit, but Taiwan has not yet opened its borders to tourists. With a Taiwan residency permit, Hong Kong and Macau spouses and their children, regardless of age, can enter Taiwan. Everyone, however, must submit their COVID-19 test results and are subject to home quarantine for 14 days. A Taiwanese citizen says while Taiwan is in pretty good shape in containing the coronavirus, security measures must be kept in place. Paula Chow, RTI News. Do you miss sitting on airplane seats? What about lining up for security or enjoying fine airport cuisine? If you want to experience what it's like to travel again in a time when the world's borders remain largely shut, Taipei's Songshan Airport has you covered. There, you can have the airport experience with the travel part cut out, of course. You will need a bit of luck, though. Far more people have signed up for the experience than the airport can accommodate. Life jackets are located under the seat in front of you. In the event of a sudden loss of cabin pressure, oxygen masks will drop down from above you. You're probably not going to need either, though, because this plane isn't going anywhere. The 90 people on board have tickets to nowhere. And as strange as it may sound, plenty more wanted to join them. Around 10,000 tried to sign up for this special airport experience event. The 90 chosen to take part on Thursday got to experience Taipei's Songshan Airport in all its glory, including, according to an airport official, an interactive art installation, a children's play area, and even a newly renovated restroom. Of course, it wouldn't be an airport experience without lines at the check-in counter and security. Somehow, though, when it's just pretend, these hassles of traveling don't seem to matter. Those taking part Thursday included Taiwanese travel lovers left stuck at home due to COVID-19, as well as a four-year-old excited to board a plane for the first time. Airport staff were excited, too. One ground crew member says the airport hasn't been this lively in a long time. Capping things off were a visit from an airline mascot and a ceremony, complete with water jets, welcoming a plane brought over from Taoyuan Airport to help with Songshan's growing domestic traffic. John Van Trieste, RTI News. After many months of preparation, one of northern Taiwan's scenic attractions is allowing visitors to return. The rugged ocean views and windswept landscapes this spot has to offer are not to be missed. But there's a cap on the number of daily visitors, so be sure to book your admission in advance. If you've visited the port city of Keelong, you've probably seen Keelong Islet looming enigmatically out of the sea. From the shore, it looks inaccessible, and until Wednesday, it really was. The craggy islet is easy enough to reach by boat, but it has only been intermittently open to tourists. After a successful trial run last year, the islet is now welcoming visitors on a regular basis. There's a lot to take in. Rock formations eroded into strange shapes by centuries of wind and waves, striking views from a lighthouse vantage point, and an abundance of wildlife. The waters around the islands teem with fish. If you're lucky, you may see schools of clownfish on the trip over. Then there's the wildlife on the island itself. 
One guide says around 100 to 200 species call the rocky outcrops here home. When planning a trip to the islet, it's important to book your passage early. Applications must be made online, and there's a daily visitor quota of 1,200 people. John Van Trieste, RTI News. A small uninhabited island off the coast of Yilan County in eastern Taiwan is commemorating 20 years of tourism. People once lived on the island but were evacuated for safety reasons. Four decades later, people that came from Guishan Island are returning in search of their roots. It's like a scene from a movie. The tiny Guishan Island, which is named for its turtle-like shape. In 2000, Taiwan opened the island for tourism. Visitors can take a boat out to see the dolphins or set foot on the island and explore the lush natural scenery. Today, Guishan Island is uninhabited, but that wasn't always the case. Before 1977, there were close to 200 families living there. The government even built a school for the local children. But the authorities relocated Guishan Island's residents to Taiwan proper for safety reasons. In 1994, 100 fishing boats transported the former residents back to their island home so that they could pay tribute to their ancestors. Now, the former residents of Guishan Island are being invited home again, this time to celebrate two decades of tourism. Graduates of Guishan Island's school, as well as military conscripts and medical workers who lived on the island, will gather there on August 1st. Now that Taiwan has lifted coronavirus-related travel restrictions, people are eager to make the trip to see Guishan Island, even before the official anniversary takes place later this summer. Leslie Liao, RTI News. This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. Taiwan's 13 national parks now have 130 barrier-free destinations. Taiwan is promoting its barrier-free travel destinations. These places are easy to get around for people with various physical conditions. There are ramps for wheelchairs to board boats, shuttles and buses. Liu Jingzong, the head of the League for Persons with Disabilities, said they used to be the ones that watched the cars while everyone else enjoyed the scenery. That's because of the barriers. But here, those in wheelchairs can enjoy a ride in a canoe. The height of this path is just so people in wheelchairs can watch them change their shells as well. Yes, now a canoe ride is possible, and so is virtual reality. Taiwan's 13 national parks now have 130 barrier-free destinations. That's good news not only for the physically challenged, but for those who have small children and for the elderly, too. This is all a part of the fun and friendly Taiwan tourism campaign. Natalie So, RTI News. Before we end today's program, we have a story about ice cream. Taiwanese people share their ideas for homemade ice desserts to enjoy in the heat of summer. People in Taiwan love ice desserts in the summertime. Convenience stores offer soft-serve ice cream, but people on the Internet are sharing new ways to enjoy cold treats. Don't just drink your favorite tea or soy milk. Freeze it at home to make a refreshing ice dessert. You can also make your own popsicle with your cult or whatever drink you fancy. There are loads of creative ways to make a cold treat. Another way to enjoy your favorite ice cream is to pour soda over it. 
Just some ideas from the land of ice desserts. Natalie So, RTI News. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist for Radio Taiwan International. I'm Paula Chow. See you next week. Bye-bye. What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm, what do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan. We are, of course, very much concerned about this Hong Kong security law because it seems that it could give Beijing uh, the ability to directly intervene on the Hong Kong territory, which could potentially mean uh, the death of freedom of the press on the territory. Hello and welcome to this week's Online, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Mr. Cedro Alviani, East Asia Bureau Director of Reporters Without Borders, or RSF, said every country should respect independent reporting in order to guarantee basic human rights. Independent reporting has been abused in many totalitarian countries, and even what is worrisome is that some democracies do not support journalism, such as in the Philippines, the arrest of Maria Ressa, founder of Rappler, as well as in the U.S., the use of force against journalists or journalists taken into custody while covering protests. China's expulsion of U.S. journalists, for example, do you think in the future that will also happen in Hong Kong once the uh, Hong Kong security law is passed right now? That could very well happen. Uh, we are, of course, uh, very much concerned about this Hong Kong security law because it seems that it could give Beijing uh, the ability to directly intervene on the Hong Kong territory, which could potentially mean uh, the death of freedom of the press on the territory because any journalist who publishes something that um, the Chinese regime does not uh, like could potentially be accused of treason, uh, could be accused of uh, going against uh, the interests of the state. And in China, all these crimes are uh, potentially uh, lead to death penalty. In a country normally, even in an authoritarian country, they allow some sort of journalists to be uh, stationed in that country. But why do you think China especially expelled the U.S. journalists? It's a question of power balance. Especially, there's a lot of dictatorial countries still need tourism uh, as a major resource. So they have to have the foreign media broadcasted everywhere so that the tourists can uh, access them. And also they do not have the power to go against 
the request from their business partners uh, to, to let the media have a, uh, a minimum presence. The problem is that the balance of forces with China is uh, more and more in favor of China. And somehow um, the Western countries, democracies have been practicing the carpet diplomacy in order to try and have uh, benefits from China. And obviously, this is a wrong politics because the more you give, the more uh, the Chinese power is trying to take. And uh, talking about censorship, the more you pretend you don't see and the more uh, they are going to develop the censorship system. Mm-hmm. Now, as we also commemorated uh, the 31st anniversary of the Tiananmen Square massacre on June 4th, we can see the tightened control of Beijing on the commemoration in Hong Kong this year because uh, it has been uh, commemorated in Hong Kong for the last few years. Now, what impact do you think it will have on the civil liberty, especially in Hong Kong in the future? Unfortunately, 31 years after the Tiananmen massacre, China remains the number one enemy of press freedom. And Hong Kong has become a new battlefield uh, where the uh, Chinese regime is trying to suppress freedoms. When uh, Hong Kong was handed over to China in 1997, the world somehow hoped that the uh, freedom of the press in Hong Kong could set an example so that it would be gradually extended to the rest of China. Unfortunately, 30, um, unfortunately, 23 years later, we see that the opposite has happened and that uh, the Chinese regime is very actively trying to uh, suppress these freedoms of Hong Kong. This is extremely serious because the level of freedom in Hong Kong represents the highest possible level of freedom in China. This is the only hope of the uh, Chinese public. So the more freedoms are being suppressed in Hong Kong and the less hope um, the Chinese public has to uh, see uh, freedoms being implemented somewhere else in China. And with the passage of the Hong Kong security law, do you think that it is very unlikely we might see another commemoration of Tiananmen Square massacre in Hong Kong next year? Well, there will be commemorations because in Hong Kong there's a lot of courageous people trying to raise against uh, oppression and uh, raise against dictatorship. The problem, of course, is that these demonstrations are likely to be uh, considered illegal and the people demonstrating might be in trouble and they might be accused of crimes against the state uh, whenever the um, national security law passes. And of course, this is a major threat for journalists because a a journalist uh, might have to interview a person criticized China, a journalist might have to interview a person advocating for Hong Kong's independence. Uh, That's part of journalists' work to uh, interview uh, and report on every aspect of the society. And journalists might be accused of anything that uh, the authorities consider as a crime only for reporting on this fact. So that definitely will cause an impact on the media freedom in Hong Kong in the future. Definitely. And media freedom in, in Hong Kong is already not in a good state. Uh, in year 2002, 
which is the year Reporters Without Borders started uh, operating its World Press Freedom Index. Hong Kong was rated 18th, and it is now 80th over 180 countries and territories rated. This is a uh, very serious downfall, and we're afraid it's going to keep falling. Uh, starting the umbrella movement, uh, there has been a wave of violence against journalists from the police, but also from some uh, probating mobs, uh, and this has never stopped. You're listening to Online, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong, and today I'm speaking with Mr. Cedro Alviani, East Asia Bureau Director of Reporters Without Borders, or RSF. We also know this is also an irony that uh, China's entry into the UN Human Rights Council consultative group. Isn't that an irony because China has the least uh, freedom of press and human rights in the world? Uh, in business, there is a, a very uh, famous saying, if you can't kill it, buy it. And that's exactly what China is trying to do uh, with human rights. You will find online some white papers written by uh, the Chinese propaganda department that uh, tell that China is uh, the best democracy in the world. It's only a question, according to them, uh, of definition. So actually, according to the Chinese definition of democracy, democracy with Chinese characteristics, China is the best system. And uh, there's also uh, human rights with Chinese characteristics that basically do not apply to individuals, and that are only um, uh, human rights when the authorities consider so. So actually, that's the fact that China would try and um, develop its influence within the uh, UN um, organizations uh, is part of the strategy to buy human rights and to change the definition. All uh, activities um, pushed by uh, the Chinese regime to try and control the media in the world also um, aims at replacing the definition of the word journalism. Uh, that shouldn't be, according to the Chinese regime, um, to, to, to distribute information for the good of the public, but that should be to distribute propaganda for the good of the state. And if the Chinese regime succeeds in changing the definition of journalism and human rights, uh, it's going to be, maybe in one or two generations, the death of journalism. Mm -hmm. How much can your organization, Cedric RSF, or Reporters Without Border, to do to pressure China to stick to the basic principles of media freedom? Well, the purpose of NGOs like Reporters Without Borders is uh, to... Uh, of course, denounce um, exactions, to denounce uh, what is being done against journalists, uh, and to try and have a reaction from uh, democracies and from uh, the part of the civil society that supports freedom of the press and wants it extended to the whole world. Of course, an NGO cannot directly um, get political changes in every country in the world, but we can uh, try and push democracies to increase their pressure. And especially like uh, in the past years, somehow 
the balance of forces has started to change. Democracies have started realizing that they have been extremely weak in their relationship with um, the Chinese power and that they absolutely uh, can't give up their principles, which equals to giving up their soul um, in the face of the Chinese propaganda. So we can see that there is a beginning of reaction. But of course, it's still difficult because you see that a country like the USA that could possibly um, counter China uh, on this aspect has a president who calls journalists enemy of the people, who casts it out on journalists that report uh, verified information. So one major problem um, nowadays is that democracies uh, do not support journalism uh, strongly enough. More and more politicians in democracies uh, openly attack journalists whenever the media publish something they do not like. And this is extremely dangerous because that constant media bashing can lead to murder of journalists. It is op- an open door uh, to, to anything and it's uh, very convenient for dictators. Uh, you, you heard in the Philippines recently like a prominent journalist, Maria Ressa, who is very close to Reporters Without Borders, uh, might be uh, sentenced six years in jail for um, crime she absolutely uh, did not uh, commit. Well, you mentioned that democracies do not support journalism. One example is Maria Resser of uh, yes. The Rappler and also the detention of uh, journalists in the U.S. recently. This, I think, China in a way could say, look, even in a democracy like the Philippines, like the U.S., you know, they do not support journalists who attack the government. So China could say, why would I want to do it? Do you agree? Absolutely. And that's why democracies have to give a better example. Uh, Reporters Without Borders is when, when, when Reporters Without Borders publishes its annual World Press Freedom Index, there's always a lot of reactions from head of states, and especially in democracies, saying, why are we so low? Why is our country ranked so low? But actually, you can expect democracies to be leaders. Uh, take the case of Japan, for example. Japan is number 66 in uh, the World Press Freedom Index this year, and the Japan authorities uh, consider that uh, they are being ranked too low. But I'm sorry, when you are one of the world leaders, uh, you're part of the G7, you have to lead the example. And we cannot consider, you cannot say because the U.S. do something, so you're entitled to do it too. You have to uh, set an example. And so far, the only exemplar countries um, are a few North Europe countries, but year after year on the World Press Freedom Map, the uh, number of countries that uh, have a very good level of respect of press freedom is reducing. Um, the, the world is actually sinking, and the global uh, footprint of uh, countries that do not respect freedom of the press uh, is increasing every year. Mm-hmm. So we do hope that actually democracies, uh, democratic countries in the world should set good examples like, such yes. as the US or, or Japan so Absolutely. that other dictators can follow. Yes. <laughs> and we've been joined on the phone uh, by uh, Mr. Cedric Alviani, 
the East Asia Bureau Director of Reporters Without Borders, or RSF, in French. And that wraps up this week's On the Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Take goodbye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC, on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.